with us. You've got your Bible, take it and go to Acts chapter 5. We're continuing as we look through uh, the book of Acts in these several weeks together. Uh, today, a message entitled, The Master Principle of the Early Church. The Master Principle of the Early Church. And we will find that here. They lived by this principle, and if we don't live by it, we will not make it. And so we find it right here in Acts chapter 5. Now, a little context. You, you remember from last week that Ananias and Sapphira uh, were dead. Uh, they had lied to the Holy Spirit. And then we find that uh, the apostles were uh, touched with power, and they wound up being put into jail. And they are in jail at the hands of the high priest, Annas, and the Senate, the Sanhedrin. And so they come together uh, to ask them, go get them and bring them out. And when they went to the jail, they were not there. Because an angel of the Lord had come and gotten them out and sent them to the Temple Mount to preach the gospel. And they went there and were preaching. And when Annas found out they were not there, uh, then he sent for them and brought them to himself and we pick up the text in Acts 5 and verse 27. And when they had brought them to him, in verse 27, they stood them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Church, just to pause there, it is our job, our goal, and the commandment of God for us to fill Pensacola with the teaching of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be about. That's what these apostles were about. They filled Jerusalem with the teaching of Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, and here is the master principle, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on the cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You read the text on, they were cut to the quick. They wanted to murder. They wanted to kill these people. But Gamaliel stood up, and Gamaliel said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, if what they're doing is of God, you can't do anything about it. So let it be, and if it's not of God, it will die. But if it is God, you can't stop it. In verse number 40, it says, and they took his advice. Rather than killing these men, they took the advice of Gamaliel, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, then released them. And so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The master principle of the early church, we must obey God rather than men. 
if the church of our generation does not get back to this, we will not sustain a presence of a church. The church is asleep today. Do you know that you don't even know you've been asleep until you wake up? Did you notice that this morning? It's when you wake up, you discover, man, I was asleep. If God does not awaken the church, we are going to sleep right through what God has called us to be about. The year was 1886. The great evangelist Dwight L. Moody was preaching in Brockton, Massachusetts. Moody preached. Some would call him an ignorant and unlearned man. They called some others that in Acts. But Moody preached with anointing. And at the end of his message one night, they had a testimony meeting, and people began to pop up and exalt Jesus, exalt Jesus, and give a witness and exalt the Lord. And a young man stood up. He was confused, not really settled of how to say anything. And when he stood, he said, I'm not sure about all of this, but I simply am going to trust, and I'm simply going to obey. Jerry Town was the minister of music. He reached over and uh, got an instrument, and Mr. Town wrote down those words. The next day, he would put them in the hand of J.J. Samus, who was a Presbyterian preacher and a hymn writer. Pastor Samus took those words and wrote that old hymn, When We Walk With the Lord, in the light of his word. You get to that chorus. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Dear church, we must learn to trust God rather than men. If you trust men, you'll get in trouble. But understand, Samuel was right. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Many people want to sacrifice or give a gift. Say, I'll give a. God's not looking for your sacrifice. He's looking for your obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. The church must once again learn we must obey God rather than men. Men will lead you down varied roads. reason you don't need to Obey men is because men are jealous. You find that in verse 17 of the fifth chapter uh, of the book of Acts. The high priest rose along with the associates, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They couldn't have the power of God. They were jealous. That's why they were telling them to be quiet. Men not only will be jealous, they'll be intimidating. 
In chapter 4 and verse 18, chapter 5 and verse 28, they said to them again and again, do not teach in Jesus' name. Do not teach. Do not teach. Do not. We, we threaten you. This old world can be intimidating. For our students, as you go back to school this fall, the culture will try to intimidate you to shut your mouth about Jesus. In your business, where you are, the culture will try to intimidate you and say, be quiet about Jesus. It's a spirit of intimidation. But not only is it jealous and intimidating, it's cruel. It's cruel. We're but in the fifth chapter of Acts. They've already been in jail twice for preaching the gospel. They'll be in it again. Jailed. The cruelty, when you get to verse 40 today, you're going to find they flogged them, beat them almost to death, but they glorified Jesus that they were worthy to suffer shame for the name. Don't trust men without trusting God because they're jealous, they're intimidating, they're cruel. But men, the worst thing about the whole business of mankind is that it's a religious sect. They're religious. You have here the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You got the Democrats and the Republicans of the Jewish party. They're split. They don't agree on a lot. You got the Sadducees that do not believe in resurrection, and you got the Pharisees that do believe in resurrection, and, and they've gone apart. The Sadducees are filled with rationalism, and the Pharisees are filled with ritualism, and they will tell you on one side, you can't trust God because you can't figure it out. Let me tell you, friend, you'll never understand everything. Newest poll out studying American minds, how many believe the inerrancy of the Word of God? One out of five, 20%, the lowest it has ever been since they started this statistic. Only 20% of Americans today say we believe the Word of God to be the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Well, count me into 20. Anybody else here? Amen. You believe the Word of God? This world will tell you it's, it's not rational to believe. Let me tell you, friend, it's not rational. It's supernatural is what it is. These men got out of jail because an angel got out. He said, well, that didn't happen. Well, I'm just telling you the Word of God records it, and the Word of God is true. I've staked my life to that. But then there's ritualism. That's the Pharisees. They just want you to come sit in the pew, act religious, sing a song, give you money, go out, and then live like a hellion. That's just being ritualistic. We dare not base our lives on what men say. The church must once again obey God. Let us begin today to obey God rather than men. What happens with obedience? Well, I want to share with you a few things out of this text about obedience. I believe it's the watchword, the master principle of the early church, and needs to be our master principle here today. Number one, I'd submit to you that obedience, obedience always exalts Jesus. Always it exalts Jesus. Look in verses 30 and 31 of the text I just read. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. That comes right after the line, we must obey God rather than men. You hung him on a cross. God raised him from the dead, and he is the Prince and the Savior. 
When you're in obedience to God, you will always exalt the name of King Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's not another name like it. It's the sweetest name on earth and in heaven is Jesus. And here they use two names for him. He is the prince and the savior. That word prince is an interesting word. Archegos, A-R-C-H-E-G-O-S. The front end is arch, A-R-C-H, like an arch ruler, like an architect. It, it brings the rule, the, uh, the consistency, the precision, and he is the agos, which is the leader, the ruler and the leader, the prince. What this says, when you are living in obedience and exalting Jesus, he has first First, first place in your life, not second, not sixth, he is Lord. I tell you all the time, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Lord, first place in my life. He is, if Acts 3.15 called him the Prince of Life. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That word author is our word archegos, right? Here, he's the author, he's the ruler. He, he, he is the one in charge. You ever met a prince? I don't mean a purple singer. <laughs> I mean, have you ever met a prince? I met a king one time. Today is Wimbledon. They're playing. I watched the last 30 minutes of the men's doubles yesterday. They played all day. Five sets and then what we would call overtime. But today is the men's final. Big money. The queen has a box, and sometimes the prince will come. And when the prince comes, they got one prince they fired. The queen fired the prince. I always thought he'd be a great king, the prince they fired. I'd like to see that dude in charge of England. Oh, my goodness. That, that'd just be fun to watch the political chaos if he were there. But let me tell you something about Prince Jesus. He's not resigning, and you can't fire him. Because he's not only the prince, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and you must move him to first place in your life. Make him Lord today. You're not obeying God if Jesus is not Lord of your life. 
You're walking in disobedience if you don't have Jesus as Lord. He is Prince, but second, He is Savior. Notice this word, Savior. It is the word soter. It's the word deliverer. It is the word for salvation. And it says that He saves those who come in repentance and gives the forgiveness of sins to Israel. Hallelujah for the Savior. He's forgiven me. He'll forgive you. If you've never been saved today, I encourage you to trust Him. Give Him your life. He went to Calvary's cross for you. They hung him on a tree. They buried him behind a rock, but they couldn't keep him down. God raised him from the dead, and he was raised for your justification and mine. God loves you. And dear friend, if you don't trust him, when you die and die, you will. You'll go to hell if you don't trust him. There's judgment that comes for saying no to Jesus. But if you'll say yes to him, heaven will be your home. The glory of God will be yours. You ever say, you ever been saved? You ever trusted him? Amen. Anybody in here saved? Amen. If you're saved, say amen. amen. Man, you're, you're, that, that first crowd is tongue-tied. I'm just hoping y'all are all right. <laughs> Obedience exalts Jesus. Secondly, obedience builds faith. Every time you take a step of obedience, your faith muscle is strengthened. It, it's like the faith workout. Romans 1.5 talks about the obedience of faith. It's where the strength comes from. Through him, we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Where? Among the Gentiles. It's, it's among those for his name's sake. Amen. It's... The strength of obedience. In Acts 5, verses 40, 40, 41, 42, notice that we read it in our text uh, just a few minutes ago. It says in verse 41, they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing. They'd been considered worthy to suffer shame for the name. And every day in the temple from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching. Do you see that? They just kept right on teaching and preaching. They've been flogged. They've been in jail. Been told, don't do it anymore. And they just kept right on teaching and preaching. And teaching and preaching. Being flogged, put in jail. Teaching. Let me tell you, if they had not continued, we wouldn't be sitting here today. I wonder if the anemic American Christianity of the evangelical church if someone threatened us to put us in jail if we went to church I just don't think many would show up I got to be honest now, you ought to be grateful you live in a land of freedom but freedom has caused us to weaken and when God puts us in a place that we take a step of obedience Strengthens our faith. Mm. What's God called you to do? Sometimes it's a call to the conscience. We have members in this place standing for some of our military people, helping them. If they don't do this, you can't serve. 
Thank God for those standing with a culture of conscience. They get stronger as you build your faith. When God calls you to stand and you stand, obedience builds faith. But there's a third thing. Not only does obedience exalt Jesus and build faith, obedience invites the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. Notice it right here in verse number 32. Did you see it? Did you see it in verse 32? And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who what? Obey Him. When you obey, I'm telling you, there is an invasion of the Holy Ghost within our life, and the Spirit of the living God causes fruit to remain. Fruit to remain. The Spirit of God does it. When you walk in obedience, I'm telling you, God comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. I saw it this week. I've shared this portion of this with you many, many times, but never the last half because the first time I think I've ever seen it. When, when our, uh, th- this last Friday night, I came over to the church because they were having most excellent way. I asked Scott to pray, and he oversees that he was there. Uh, on Friday evening, I came in. One of our friends, Stacy, uh, was uh, celebrating 24 years of sobriety and freedom from addiction by the power of Jesus. And so I came to see her and say amen and bless her and uh, just tell her I was proud of her. And I did and put a picture out on social media and thank God for her. I went out to my car after I finished. And I think something happened. See, Stacy was there because over 25 years ago, God saved Eddie Ashari in our church over in the other building. And I've shared that story many, many times. How Eddie came out of addiction, gambling, Catholicism. He knew the Sadducees and the Pharisees very well. There's some Baptist Pharisees and Sadducees too. It was a dead religious activity. He came, God gloriously saved him. He gave up his drugs immediately. It took him about a year or so to give up his nicotine. It was very hard to get rid of cigarettes. Finally he did. He couldn't get a job anywhere. And you know how I've shared that I hired him finally here to be a janitor. And he's the worst janitor we ever had. And the reason is that he would never clean the toilets because he was always sharing Jesus in the hallway. I asked him, I said, man, you got to get this done. He said, Pastor, what is it? Toilets or souls? What do you want me to do? I said, we got you on the wrong seat on the bus. And so I moved him and put him in charge of drug and alcohol rehab. And we started... He came to my office way over 25 years ago. He sat down and he put two books on my desk. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He, put the, he said, Pastor, which one should we do? What, do this? I didn't even know what the name of it was. I didn't know most excellent way. He laid down. I said, well, what do you think? And he said, I'm not sure. He said, this one does this. I said, well, I, I don't know. I said, which one do you think? He said, I think most excellent way is the way to go. I said, great. I've never been drunk in my life. If this works for you, let's do it. I don't know anything about that. I've never been high. I, I don't know. And, and he said, okay, it's based on the Beatitudes. We'll take that. We use it. So we've been using that program now for all of these years. So he started teaching. They pay him on Tuesday night. They came on Friday night. And he began to teach. They had places all around the city. And it began to grow. And Stacy came 
Stacy got saved, and God cleaned her up and put her in that MEW program, most excellent way. You know, the Bible says there is a more excellent way where it comes from. So 24 years ago, she's gloriously saved. Eddie dies. We have his funeral. He's going to heaven. So I came in, and then I went and got in my car, and I sat down in the car. Maybe it's just my glorified imagination. I don't know. But I sat there, and I think I heard the voice of Jesus. And this is what it said. Eddie, come here to the throne of grace. And I imagined my good friend walking to the throne of grace. And Jesus said to my friend, to my brother I never had, look down there. You see that girl? That is what happens when you obey what I tell you to do. You have fruit that remains even after you get called to heaven. I, I like to have a running and jumping spell sitting in my car. Friend, one of these days you're going to be gone. The fruit that remains is the fruit that the Holy Spirit of God plants and energizes and everything else goes to dust. So that old boy got gloriously saved. Stacy is still going and sharing and she shared the other night. She led the, the group. If you've never been to MEW, you, you ought to go sit in there sometime. It's just the glory of God with a changed life and the Spirit of God gives fruit that remains if you obey God rather than man. I'm going to ask you to obey God today. Some of you have never been saved sitting in this room. You've never been saved. You need to obey God. You need to come right here today. You need to come. Some of you have never been baptized after you've been saved. And you need to get out of your seat and walk right here and say, Pastor, today I'm ready to come and obey God. So you ought to join this church. That's the step of obedience. Talk to several couples after first church. There are people here, God's called to ministry. God's calling you. And you need to come. And say, I, 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 some of you have just wandered off into busyness. And Jesus is not first place. And it's time for you to come home in obedience to what God says in your life. I was just a 17-year-old kid. Pisgah Baptist Church. I'm sitting on the back row. Not way back there. I'm talking about the back row right here. That's as far as our church went. That's the back row right here. Okay, right by the camp. It's that little cracker box church. They're preaching and I'm hanging on back there. I'll be back up there to preach this fall. I go in. I, I can still find my fingerprints on the cap rail of the back row. Right there. I'm telling you. If, if you needed to find me to get my fingerprint, you can find them on that back row. I'm, I'm hanging on. And God says, I want you to preach. I said, oh, Lord, I ain't doing that. I said, Lord, you know when I was 10 years old, I made you a promise. I, 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 I talked in church. I tried to memorize a verse, and I couldn't say it, and I scared to death, and I messed it up. And I promised you then I'd never talk in church again. 
Be careful what you promise you will or will not do. Oh, man, I'm hanging on to that pew. And, and I said, Lord, I, I'll do anything, uh, but not that. No. I, no. He put his finger on that. I said, Lord, you know my plan. I got a plan. I'm, I'm going to coach. And I, Lord, when I'm the head coach of that school and college and I'm making all that money, I'll give you 20%. Just don't make me pray. To obey is better than sacrifice. So finally, I, I just let go. And I came down. You know, back in those days, in those little churches, we don't do it here as much anymore. We do it sometimes. We had the Baptist cakewalk. You know what the Baptist cakewalk is? You know, you shine up all the new members down here at the front, and everybody comes cakewalk. They come by, and they see you, and you shake your hand. So I'm standing here, and the Baptist cakewalk starts, and here they come. She's back over here, Miss O'Beara Wright. She's 174 years old. And, and here she comes. She's on that cane. Everybody's telling me, oh, proud of you. Praise the Lord. Going to pray for you. God's going to use you. It's going to be good. Good. Miss O'Beer got up there right up to me. She said, well, I wondered if you's ever going to do it. I said, ma'am. She said, I knew when you was 12 years old, God had called you to preach. What took you long to hear him? I said, Miss O'Beer, I said, I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, oh, boy, if a man can't hear God call him to preach, how's he ever going to hear him to know what he's supposed to preach? She just walked on off. (laughs) I don't know everybody else that came through that line, but I remember Miss O'Beer, right? And when I get to heaven, if she's there, (laughs) I'm going to talk to her about that. And say, just how'd you know what God is doing in in my heart? I I took my hands off that rail that day. I said, Lord, I'm ready to trust and obey. Are you ready to trust and obey today? You ready to go where God wants you to go? What's your excuse? So, Pastor, I, I can't do that. Yeah, I know. We all got good excuses. Abraham was too old till he obeyed God. Isaac was a daydreamer till he obeyed God. Jacob was a liar until he obeyed God. Joseph was abused, then he obeyed God. Moses had a stuttering problem until he obeyed God. Noah was a drunk. Till he obeyed God. Gideon was fearful until he obeyed God. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer until he obeyed God. Rahab was a prostitute till she obeyed God. Jeremiah and Timothy were both told, You're too young until they obeyed God. David had an affair and was a murderer till he obeyed God. Elijah was suicidal till he obeyed God. Jonah ran from God until he obeyed God. Naomi was a widow till she obeyed God. Job went bankrupt, then he obeyed God. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying, then they obeyed God. Martha worried about everything. 
Then she obeyed God. The Samaritan woman had been divorced multiple times. Then she obeyed God. Zacchaeus was too small. But then he obeyed God. Paul was too religious. Then he obeyed God. And Lazarus, well, he was, he was dead. And then he obeyed God. Because Jesus said, come forth. And he got up and came forth. And then he went out. This choir was singing Lazarus. Did you see that? I could just barely see it. Did y'all see that girl up there on the top? Y'all saw her, didn't you? I saw you grinning at her. She said, Lazarus, come on. Come on. What I'm saying to you today is come on. Come on. I'm asking you to take your hands off that cap. You've you never been saved t- today. Take your hands off and just say, Lord, I'm ready to obey. You've you never been baptized. No, you ought to. Or you, Come. Ready to join it? Come. Somebody's in here. God's called you to be a preacher or a missionary or teacher. Come today. So, oh, Pastor, I'll do anything. Friend, you must obey God rather than man, even when you are the man. Obey God. Obey Him today. Trust and obey because there's no other way. You ready to obey God today? Some of you are in this church, but you've just kind of gotten a little COVID cold. A little res- and, and it's time to move on. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three backwards. And when I get done to three, I, I want you, if you're ready to obey God, I want you to stand up today. Say, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be saved, ready to join a church. I'm, I'm ready to move into lordship. I'm, I, I'm, ready. I'm just ready to obey God. There's something in my life, God, I, I know I need to deal with this right here today. And I count to three. I'm just going to ask you, just stand up. And then after you stand up, I'm going to ask you to come. I want to pray for you. All of us together. If you're here without Jesus, come. Just want you to stand up. Say, preacher, what if you count three and nobody stands up? Then we'll sing a song. But some of you, God's spoken into your heart today. It's a time of renewal. It's a time of first step. It's a time of next step. And I say those three letters, those three numbers. You know this is a day of commitment for you, a day of obedience. And right where you are, I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'd want to obey God rather than men. That's the clarion call for the church today. The master principle. Is God calling you? Step you need to take? Today, your day? Fresh renewal? I'm going to count. I finished, then you just pop up. Three, two, one, stand. You just stand.
Amen. You stand. Amen. Now, while Victor's playing, if you're standing, balcony around, some of you on this, I want you just to come. I want to pray for you right here. Just come on, join me right here. Say, preacher, I should have done that. Then you come on, come on right now under the Lord. That's it. Just make your way right here. I'm just going to pray for us all. It's just a new day, freshness. Amen. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Y'all just come over here and join me right here in this place. Praise the Lord. That's good. Amen. On that balcony, take you just a moment. You come. You come. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you, man. This your day of affirmation? Amen. Young man called a ministry a few days ago. That he made known to me. Anybody else need to come? Here they come out of the balcony. We give them just a moment to join us right here. Amen. That's good. That's good. We'll wait for just a minute. Young lady, you blessed hundreds and hundreds of people this week with a picture that somebody made of you and your daddy. And we put it on social media. I did. I can't tell you the number of people told me that's the blessed, most blessed thing they'd ever seen in their life when you was praying for your father. It was a, oh my Lord. Let's pray together. Father, in the matchless, powerful name of our champion, King Jesus, I bring these individuals to you. I know not what's in their heart, but you do. Lord, for those taking the step of obedience, bless them. For those that are coming to have their sin forgiven, bless them. For those uniting with the church, oh God, bring them into the body and use them for your good and glory and for our community. Lord, I just ask for the favor of the Spirit of God to be on all of these standing and kneeling right here in this place. And I submit them unto you. Pray your power and your goodness and your glory to be on them. Make them to be what Timothy calls usable vessels. And I pray you'd fill them, Holy Spirit of God. And that this week, they would walk not in obedience to man, but in obedience to you, our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.